The richer you get, the harder it is to manage your estate. There's lots of moving parts like portfolio diversity, tax mitigation, asset protection, and estate planning. That's why the ultra wealthy use family offices, and that's where Valerity Wealth comes in for you. Run by a former sovereign wealth fund manager, Valerity Wealth brings institutional level expertise to the high paid professional. Let Valerity quarterback your finances. Book your free consultation at ValerityWealth.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, today, before I, I get started with the show, I do want to remind you that there is a website associated with this podcast at uh, wealthformula.com. Uh, lots of resources there, opportunities to sign up for our investor club if you are an accredited investor. And um, also, uh, there are other sorts of downloads and things like that that you might want to check out as well. So go, go check out wealthformula.com. Uh, today's show, I want to uh, talk a little bit about, um, well, we're going to talk about taxes with the smartest guy in taxes that I know, uh, Tom Wheelwright. Before we get into that, I just kind of want to make a comment here in general about the economy. Now, I'm not a generally a, a doom and gloom podcaster as a general rule. Uh, there are plenty of those out there predicting the zombie apocalypse all the time. And I've kind of like, you know, sort of made fun of them in the past. Um, and, you know, listen, I uh, I just think that there are there are a certain genre that sort of continues to get people riled up in general, because, uh, you know, that the fear kind of is something that does sell. And so it's easy to get people uh, excited. However, uh, despite the fact that I have uh, previously, uh, you know, kind of made fun of that type of uh, scenario, what I will say is that the zombie apocalypse uh, uh, may not be quite here, but I will say that I have seen some questionable zombie-esque characters running around town lately. Uh, and it has occurred to me, however, that uh, most people aren't seeing what I am seeing. After all, the job markets are humming along just great. And inflation, well, it's actually decelerated uh, inflation. Uh, numbers came in today and they were maybe slightly higher than projected, but still kind of not had turning in any sort of way and pretty re uh, reflective of what we saw last month as well. So if you're a high paid professional, you're out there cranking away at your job. And believe me, I know because I used to be one just like you, a day job kind of guy. And nothing really seems that much different out there because, listen, there's been a little bump in the price of groceries, but you make up money. I mean, you don't really notice the difference in the price of uh, milk and bread and Maybe gas annoys you a little bit here and there, but you know the thing is, you're you're overall you're just fine. So in fact, you might you might actually be wondering, and you might be irritated. Well, everything just seems fine. So why aren't my investments performing very well? And you know, I get it. I get where you're at. But from where I'm seated, I got to tell you, it's kind of scary out there. Okay, the investment real estate market is in turmoil, and there's a significant amount of distress. Because of, well, come on, the steepest increase in interest rates in American history over the last year. When that happens, 
things are not status quo. So the reality is real estate syndicators like me uh, throughout the country really are chanting the same thing. Stay alive until 25. That's basically the mantra. Uh, the office sector of real estate is already bathing in blood. The majority of that debt is, you know, it's held by small regional banks. And I got to tell you, when you look again at the potential systemic issues that are headed our way, it's hard for me to believe that we won't have further bank failures or certainly bank distress. And 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 what about uh, the fact that it looks like we're going to have another war in the Middle East? What do you think that's going to do to energy prices? Guys, it's kind of scary out there. Pay attention, right? This is real. This is why we're we're trying to pay attention to what's going on and be educated. 2024 is likely a very, very tough year, and there will be pain. And the global economy is not the fault of one person or a single company, so stop pointing fingers. Now, there is a silver lining to this all. And as much as these transitional periods cause pain, they are also opportunities Every successful person that you will meet who's lived long enough will tell you the same. Those who can overcome their own fear and can act rationally during this time will be having some of the best years of their investment uh, lives in the coming uh, few years here. In the meantime, you know, you got to uh, take the time to make sure that you've taken care of other housekeeping items, right? I mean, you're still waiting. There's still distress. There's still opportunities on the way. Make sure you do the stuff that you got to do, the, the monotonous but important stuff. Make sure your asset protection is in place. Give my uh, buddy Doug Lodmel a call. Make sure that you're, you're protected. Make sure your estate planning is done. Uh, and that you have adequate life insurance coverage. You go to wealthformulabanking.com and see how you can actually turn that into an asset at the same time. Do the mundane things that have to be done for personal finance plan planning right now, because there's not that much going on. Um, I mean, it's sort of the lull, in my view, before the storm. And tax planning is also part of that whole you know housekeeping thing. And if you haven't really sat down and thought about how to mitigate your own tax liability. You know, you really ought to do that and you should do it now. Make sure you have things in place. Uh, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast this week is Tom Wheelwright. He's the smartest professional I know. Make sure to tune in uh, as we have this great discussion. Um, it's uh, not only about taxes, but we're going to also talk a little bit about what's going on in the economy today. And, you know, Tom's had like 45, over 45 years of uh, business experience, he's seen it all. So when we come back, Tom Wheelwright. Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets, such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector conservative investing with double-digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com, accesswealthaviation.com.
Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is my old friend, Tom Wheelwright. Tom, uh, I've referred to him many times as Michael Jordan of, of taxes. He's got a book called Tax-Free Wealth. He has a second edition on that as well. And this is the only tax book that I've ever read like twice and maybe even a third time, I'm embarrassed to say, because it's really interesting. Tom, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, the good news is third edition's coming out this fall. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to give it another go then. Um, so, hey, Tom, I'm so glad you're joining us. And, uh, you know, I, I want to get, uh, you know, the the core of what I wanted to get at today was some basics, because sometimes I figure, I feel like we get so into the weeds on this show, and I was doing so many shows on macroeconomics and, you know, all this kind of uh, esoteric stuff, where it seems like a lot of people who are listening to this show, maybe they're relatively new, don't know that much about some of the basics. And that got me thinking about what my first sort of uh, uh, realization was. And that was from reading uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant, right? And really, that is a textbook, right? That's really a textbook. And I wanted to see if you could help us kind of you know, for people who are out there who are sort of newer to this stuff, put this into context. Why is it so important? What is the cash flow quadrant, first of all? So, so first of all, cash flow quadrant is really just a simple way to think about um, how do people make money, kind of categorize how you make your money, which is really the first question any advisor should be asking you is how do you make your money? Uh, certainly any tax advisor. Um, what Robert and I have discovered, uh, as I've traveled around the world with, uh, Robert Kiyosaki over the years is that how you make your money is, uh, makes a big impact on how much tax you pay. So, um, you know, if you make your money as an employee, you get taxed at a different rate than if you make your money as a business owner. And if you make your money as an, uh, as a um, professional investor, you may, you pay an even different rate. So, um, that's actually a, a very important thing. I, I, I love that you th see cash flow quadrant as an accounting book uh, as as a tax book because I see rich dad poor dad as an accounting book. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, he yeah. spends most of the time on financial statements, right? It's all about the financials. So that's your report card in yeah. life. And for me, the cash flow quadrant book was it was um, you know particularly enlightening because I think you know I was a. Um, you know, I was one of those a students who went to medical school and got a high paid job. Right. Yep. And I actually didn't even really as crazy as it is that my dad is a real estate entrepreneur. I didn't even realize like the that these differences existed. I really didn't. And part of, I would say that a lot of it's my dad's fault for not teaching me and just, you know, letting me go off into this world of being a professional. But Let's talk a little bit about that because you said there are differences. What how are how are they different? I mean, they're different because of not because in some cases they're di different because of the rates, but they're because of advantages or disadvantages you're able to. Yeah, to so it, it's actually a couple of things. It it, it actually is the rate. So, for example, mm -hmm. big business gets a 21% tax rate where sure. small, small business you're paying at least, you know, you're probably paying a 30 uh, anywhere from 30 to 37% tax rate in the U.S. Um, so the tax rate themselves, you know, investors, 
um, they're paying capital gains tax. They're down to 15 to 20% on capital gains. So there really are rate differences. Um, right. The other thing though, is you're right. There are advantages. So the, the very first thing to understand, and this is kind of the, um, the whole premise of tax free wealth is that the series that the tax has a series of incentives. And then you have to look at who's, who are the incentives for? And mm-hmm. they're for people that the government wants to encourage us to use our money or spend our time in a certain way. And over the years, now used to be employees weren't taxed at all. Now they, they weren't taxed and it's evolved. The tax laws evolved over the years so that employees are now very highly taxed and they get basically no tax benefits. I mean, 2017, the last big tax law change um, eliminated most deductions for employees. No longer can an employee get a home office deduction. No longer can an employee get investment deductions. No longer can an employee get a tax de- a deduction for taxes, except for $10,000. So employees lost a lot in the yeah. 2017 tax law. Um, the the uh, doctors and lawyers and accountants, you know, people, professionals like you and me, um, we, <laughs> Robert likes to say, you, you, you go to school, you get a job. Great. You pay 40% in tax. Then you go to advanced schooling. You get to pay a higher tax rate. <laughs> right. Right. Raise it to 50, 60%. Um, but there are advantages to being a business owner. So even if it's just owning your own practice, um, the, the basically deductions you don't get as an employee, you do get as a business owner. Right. Right. And, and in that case, I know some people who are W2 types right now aren't even don't even know really what we're talking about. And just specifically, if you're, uh, you know, if you're in this, you put a shingle outside your shop and you start a practice uh, and you are, you know, Buck Joffrey MD and you're doing this, you, you pay an additional tax for that. And it's just in, in the form of self-employment taxes. Right. 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 And that's conceptually why um, that quadrant uh, that we talk about, which is the self-employed uh, quadrant is uh, is you know the highest taxed one that there is really. Right? Yeah, for for sure. That's why I mean you're paying both the employer and the employee side of taxes, um, uh, and and a lot of people say, well, I, I'm just going, I want to make it easy. I'm just kind of a Schedule C, right? And yep. I'm not I'm not going to start an entity or do any of that because boy, then there's bookkeeping fees and you know and yeah, I've got to file another tax return and. You know, the reality is, is that you, you can have a simple life and pay high taxes, or you can actually um, add a, a little tiny bit of complexity to your life and lower your taxes significantly. Yeah. So the in, in the cash flow quadrant, basically on the left side of it, if people can visualize, there's the employee, the self, you know, there's the W-2 wage earner who effectively just takes home that check and takes the weekend off and hey, let's party and let's do it. You know, and and, and so it's not such a bad life, but sometimes I think about that. I'm like, sounds kind of good right about this, right? Yeah. But then then the self-employed one, well, you've got some more responsibilities. You have self-employment tax, but you can take deductions. So there's that. And there might also also be ways of navigating around those self-employment taxes, which I know, you know, uh, somebody like yourself would would advise uh, a person on. On the right side, there are there's two boxes there that uh, you you have already referred to. And then the top one is is the business owner. That one's a big business owner, though. I mean, that's that's not 
you know, your typical mom and pop yeah, shop. Yeah, Robert defines that as 500 employees or more. Right. So most of us are really, you know, not in that position to be there. So that leaves the investor quadrant, right? Now, right. The investor quadrant is is the one that most of us in this like sort of high net worth, but not ultra high net worth world can really take advantage of. So one of the things that I've uh, talked about and you and I have talked about quite a bit is if you are in, you know, if, if you just happen to be a W-2 employee, but you're doing pretty well, like making a half million, million bucks a year, who knows? What do you do? What do you do? To, to take advantage of what all of this information. In other words, Tom Wheelwright, I know this is great. Thanks for telling me, but is there any way out of this? What do you tell people? Well, I mentioned earlier that the very first question an advisor should ask is, how do you make your money? Right. Um, the investor quadrant, this goes to the second question that your advisor should ask, which is, what are you going to do with your money? Because right. what you're going to do with your money has a big impact on your taxes. For example, um, in the U.S., if you save or spend your money, you pay tax on the money. If you invest your money in things the government wants you to invest in, like real estate, like energy, like business, like agriculture, um, I identify seven in my my uh, my newer book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, seven investments the government really wants you to do. Um, if you do that, then you pay less tax. So the investor quadrant is really about if you're not going to be in business, what are you going to do with your money that you're not spending? And how you invest that money um, has just an enormous impact or right. could have an enormous right. impact on your taxes. Right. But I think the moral of the story is that there are ways to, you know, if with good planning, uh, to, to take your situation and knowing that quadrant to, potentially design ways, you know, based on your interests, based on your strengths to potentially get yourself into a position where, you know, you can invest in things that are going to over time accumulate and give you a greater presence in that uh, investor quadrant. Yeah. You know, you know, Buck, so um, when I first started traveling with Robert, um, I used to get all these questions like, um, you know, how do I find an accountant like you and so forth? And as you know, we build a firm and then we sold the firm and then we, we build a network and then now we're building a franchise. And in, in what happens is, is I'll talk to prospective clients and I always ask them the question, what are you going to do with your money? And what's shocking to me is 95% of them say, I don't know. I'm going, you spend all this time, I mean, like literally more time working than you do sleeping and you, and you're making all this money and you don't know what you're going to do with the money. And so, you know, those, that, that, that really simple question is something that you want to really do a little introspection is knowing what, what do I want to do with my money? Because like you say, you're not, you're going to pay attention if it's something you're interested in. If you're not interested in it, you're not going to pay attention to it. And frankly, you might as well put it in a pension plan and yeah. sock it away in the stock market because you're not going to pay attention to it. And you, you, you might as well be diversified. Right. But if you're, if you go, well, wait a minute, there's some areas, um, types of investing that are really interesting for me, it's business and technology, you know, for you, I know it's real estate. Um, I also like energy. 
Um, but it, you know, you go, well, if there's something I really like, man, I'll take time to learn it. And once I learn it, I reduce my risk. The more education I get, the less risk I have. And then I can learn, okay, now what are the tax advantages and how do I plan that out? So I get all the tax advantages, frankly, that are intended because a lot of people give up tax advantages. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. When you know, I've talked about this. Um, uh, IRAs and 401ks, there are certain assets that are really good for those. Stock market, mm-hmm. bonds, interest uh, bearing assets, um, really great for those. Mm-hmm. But real estate's not one of those. You lose all the tax benefits of real estate by right. doing it through a, a IRA or 401k. So what you have to do is you have to first decide what type of asset I'm going to invest in. And then you decide, how do I set this up so they get all the tax benefits? You know, I always kind of think about this as, you know, the investment part of your life, right? You you, you make a very good point, which is, you know, there's people out there who, who spend all this time, really like a lot of time working uh, and making decent money. But the fact that they are not willing to spend a little additional time to make sure that that money is actually going out there and, you know, in taking responsibility for it. Like I, I liken it to starting another business or having another business. I mean, your, your money is your business. It's an investing business, right? And if, if that's the case, then you want to make sure that you are, you know, you learn a little bit about it, that you're really on top of it. Um, if you don't, um, you know, I mean, certainly could do what you said and just put your money in, in IRAs and, and all that kind of thing in the stock market. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not against the stock market in any sort of way, but I'm just, my point is that that is probably not going to get you to where you want to be in the long term if you're trying to fundamentally change your place in the world based on your investments. No, that that that's fair, Buck. Um you know, the question is, do you want to be in control of your life or do you want somebody else to be in control? I mean, to me, that's what it comes down to. Um, I, I'm going to be the youngest of six children and I was never in control growing (laughs) up. So (laughs) I made a decision early on that I'm going to be in control of my, my, my future. And even if it's bad, if it's me that's caused it to be bad, I'm okay with that. Right. What I'm not okay is, um, you know, I, I think about you're an employee and uh, now if you're a professional and you're employee, your chance of getting another job are pretty good. But remember, mm-hmm. you only got one customer. Yeah. <laughs> Having a yeah. single customer, I'm going, man, that is a risky business. I mean, seriously, Yeah. Um, most banks, if you had a business and you only had one customer, most banks would not lend to you. Right, right. Too much risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with, um, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, What's, uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And uh, whenever I see you, I like to find out like what's new in the tax law that we ought to know about. So maybe we could just shift for a few minutes on on that. Is there, well, I think the last time we talked was probably, I mean, we, we talk frequently, but maybe it was like, you know, seven, eight months ago or something like that. Um, anything new that we ought to know about, new potential incentives, new, you know, negative things that we need to know about, that kind of thing? Well, a couple of things. Yeah. I mean, from an incentive standpoint, the big one is renewable energy, right? That's mm-hmm. 
a big incentive, particularly if you combine it with real estate. So mm -hmm. you own investment real estate and you put renewable energy on your investment real estate, like solar with solar batteries. Uh -huh. I saw an ad for Tesla power walls yeah. coming down in price. And right, I'm, right. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of solar. I mean, solar has saved me. A, I, I've made a lot of money not having to pay utility bills because I live in Arizona where the utility bills can be really high in the summer. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's really the big, obviously that's the big one going on right now. Uh, a couple of things to be paying attention to. First of all, there was this huge, oh my heavens, you, you saw all the commercials for the uh, um, uh, employee retention credit. And now yeah. you're seeing all those big companies that were pushing the employee retention credit. The IRS has said, we put a, we're going to put a stop to this. We're going to examine these. And they've literally gone out of business. And they're going, and the reason they've gone out of business is because they were falsifying their claims. And, and they're going to have potential fraud charges against them. Coming you mean the company that was helping to do this. That's oh, right. Wow. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you, I, I was getting, I was getting emails, texts and phone calls from my clients like three times a day and, and saying, well, this, this company, you know, says I can get this much back. And this company says I can get this much back. And they haven't even talked to the company. I'm going, how, how would the company know that? There's right. no way to know that. And, right. you know, there are some people, if you lived on, uh, you know, the left coast, Right. Yeah. If you lived on e either coast outside of yeah. Florida, yeah. Um, you probably qualified for it. I mean, frankly, you probably qualified for it um, and, and you should have taken advantage of it. But that's one where the IRS is coming down hard on it. Um, they've they put a temporary stop uh, to processing the claims. And I think people who have been very aggressive with it are going to be in. I, I think they're going to be there's going to be a reckoning come and do because there's a lot of fraud in there a lot of a lot of misunderstanding about how that law works so that's one that i'd be you know what i'd be doing is if if uh if you did apply for that or you didn't get it i'd be sitting down with your cpa yeah. he's a little more conservative make sure they're and, legit and yeah. and actually how you know do a double check on that you know get yeah. you know do it do a check on is this really the right thing because you're going to want to be prepared for when the IRS comes knocking on your door, it says, wait a minute, not only, I, I I would foresee, they're gonna come back and they're gonna say, not only do you not get the credit, but we're gonna assess a 40% understatement penalty. And I could see that happening. Um, let's, let's talk about something that uh, I know, I mean, I did uh, certainly, uh, and I didn't think I was doing anything wrong, which was a syndicated conservation easement. I did a couple over the last, you know, several years, uh, did it with somebody that, um, you know, I, I still think, uh, you know, dots his I's crosses his T's. We were following the law, but all of those easements. And by the way, the idea behind these is just as a, as, as a, a quick summary for people who don't know what I'm talking about is there, these are development projects that essentially there is a, you know, an analysis done to see whether, going forward with the construction would be more profitable or preserving the land uh, or structure or whatever it is, the natural beauty there uh, and, and taking a, uh, a write-off based on the potential uh, value of the development. So in effect, you, it was allowing for a, a, a level of leveraging of uh, 
of deductions. Um, that was the law. So a number of us were actually doing that. And I think part of the problem was that there was these, they were syndications. And I think that's where the IRS started to crack down on, right? Um, and now all virtually all conservation easements across the border are like under audit. Yeah. So, so two things happen. First of all, the IRS started auditing these several years ago and they actually started winning. Uh, they, they got a, there was a really bad tax court case um, which had a really bad decision. This is back in 2016. Everybody changed their language, their documents, and now the IRS started losing because they, they said, okay, if the court says we have to do this, we're happy to do that. And um, and that, so what happened was uh, the end of 2022, we actually got a new law um, that restricted the deduction on, conser on conservation easements, um, syndicated conservation easements. Um, they're still out there. They're still viable. Uh, here's an interesting one, though. Um, so here's a development I've seen. Um, conservation easements are partnerships, yeah. which means the deduction flows through to the partners. Right. So what I've seen lately is a lot of these conservation easements that are under audit electing to be C-corporations, which means that the tax is going to be to the C-corporation, probably because of the way they changed the partnership law, which means that the partners aren't going to get hit with it. We're going to see what happens there, Buck. But that is a really interesting development. So if you had a conservation easement, um, then and and you and and you got a K1 for 2022. And it did not say it was a final K-1. And it said, you know, and you're expecting a K-1 for 2023. You might want to talk to those, uh, the promoters and say, have you thought of being a C corporation? Because this has the potential, we don't know yet, but has the potential of eliminating the tax. So wait, explain that to me again. So normally right. you that would flow through and that's why right. we were all doing it. But what right. benefit would it be? Well, to us so here's what happens. Yeah. So... <clears throat> As, as part of the tax law changes over the last several years, one of the big tax law changes was that you can no longer amend a partnership return. Now, what you have to do is you have to do what's called an, administ an administrative adjustment request. And when you do an administrative adjustment request, and that, by the way, that request can either be on by the taxpayer, the partnership, or it can be by the IRS in an audit. Mm -hmm. Any tax that's due, any, any taxable income that results from that change is taxable in the year of the that that it's determined that that you made that determination. You actually made that request. So, in other words, if I have a 2018 tax return mm -hmm. and the IRS is auditing it and the and in 2022, um, we decided to be a C corporation. That means, and now the IRS um, comes up with an assessment in 2023. Uh, well, that's now taxable in 2023. To a C corp. Okay? But now it's taxable to a C corp. And who's liable for that? Well, just the C corp. Well, these are single purpose entities, Buck. Yeah. Wow. So I think there's some real potential opportunity there. Um, wow. real potential. Well, that's good to know. I need to make some phone calls. <laughs> this, but 
Uh, well, good. That's that's good stuff. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you about is not really tax related. It is sort of what we've been taught. We talked a little bit offline because, uh, you know, you asked me how things were going. I said, well, gosh, you know, real estate, it's it's kind of a, we're, we're hitting that point in time right now where it is a it, it's uh, it's it's rough out there. And you made the point. This is just the beginning. It's not just real estate. And you. OK, so you're you've been around for maybe just a little bit longer than me, just a little bit. Uh, how are you putting this all in perspective? Tell me what you're seeing in this world. I mean, you're a smart guy. You've seen multiple cycles. You've seen war. You've seen, you know, I mean, you didn't see World War Two or anything like that. I'm just saying, I'm not I, saying I was, that. I, I was around during the <laughs> Vietnam War, though. My, my, right. my, my brother right. was drafted in the Vietnam yeah. War. I, I definitely remember that very yeah. well. Um, you you know, it's, um, I I do think we're at the tip of the iceberg. I I don't think we're, I don't, I I think we're just seeing the start of things. Um, uh, we, you know, we had this huge inflation, um, which was, you know, followed by the fed raising interest rates, really skyrocketing interest rates. They've never raised even, even in the Reagan era, they didn't raise them that fast. And, um, and which has just decimated the bond market. It's decimated the real estate market, and and now we're seeing uh, war. We've seen we've got war in Europe, in the Ukraine. We've got war in the Middle East now, and who knows? But we what will we will have war in uh, Taiwan um, sometime soon. I mean, I, I think pretty much everybody expects that, right? Um, yeah. The 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 U.S. is in such a disarray right now that other countries are kind of going. Ooh, now's the yeah. time to move, right? Now's the right. time to move. So whether it's whether it's uh, Russia or Iran or uh, China that's moving, you know, and 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 frankly, if you read, so um, uh, on my podcast, I had uh, the fellow who wrote the Fourth Turning, yeah, yeah, examined him too, yeah, yeah, great. So you know, he examines these cycles, and mm-hmm. they're eighty-year cycles. Well, the last eighty-year cycle result in World War II. The one before that was the Civil War. The one before right. that was the Revolutionary War. Right. We're due. Yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, literally, we're due. I mean, it's it's just the way. I mean, it doesn't mean we have to be in war. It just means that the likelihood is fairly good that yeah. that we end up in a war and a major war. And um, and so then the question is, so what do you do about it? And to me, one thing I have learned over the course of my 45 year career is that people who do well in tough times do that much better in good times. Mm-hmm. And so the people who were kind of lazy during the good times, they have a really tough time of it during the tough, tough times. Yeah. Um, some of those people will get, will, will, will buckle down. They'll figure it out and they'll go, okay, we just need to be smarter and they'll be smarter. I mean, they may not be smarter forever, but they'll be smarter for the foreseeable future, right? Those mm-hmm. who make through, I mean, remember, more, more people got rich during the depression than any other time in our history. Yeah. So um, it, it is a really an opportunity. The other thing we're going to see is I think now is the time to really get educated. This is why I think, you know, what you do on this show is so important because there are going to be opportunities, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't have, you know, right now we're kind of in this middle place where buyers and sellers don't match up their values, right? Yeah. The value doesn't match up. Um, the price and the value doesn't match up. Um, but 
what it means is that there are going to be bargains and you better be prepared for when those bargains happen. Yeah. And the other part of that preparation is psychological because it's, you know, and I, I feel like this is something that, you know, I, I feel like I is as rational as I try to be about this. This is hard when you have, when you have investments that are losing money to turn around and be looking and, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's like running into gunfire or something like that. You know, it's like, you're seeing things happening around you. You're taking some, you're taking some lumps and what the, what you know you need to rationally do is to think clearly and understand where we're at. I mean, it, um, you know, another investor, a real estate guy I was talking to was likening it to, you know, around 2009, 2010, when, you know, people bought during that period of time, they did extremely well. Exactly. Most people were too scared. They were just too scared. I mean, like one of my friends just literally sold uh, a a a, uh, a hotel for a hundred million dollars, and he was telling me stories about how in 2010 he was trying to get people, um, you know, to to raise money to for some properties that he knew were going to just kill it. No one wanted anything to do with it, right? But when the market was frothy, everybody wanted to be with him, and he didn't want to. He didn't need any investors anymore. So it's just that kind of thing where it's like this reverse psychology um, or this psychology issue that we constantly have to deal with. Right. And that's uh, to me, that's one of the things that I'm constantly trying to even just coach myself. Oh, for sure. Financial intelligence and emotional intelligence. They go hand in hand. Right. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, this is always fun to catch up with you, Tom. Uh, Good stuff all around. Some basics. Uh, some, uh, some, uh, some information that we can take with us um, from some broad perspective. And it's always great to have you on uh, the, the books again, you know, we've got tax-free wealth and then I forget the name of the other one. Uh, that, the, the, the win-win wealth strategy. The win-win wealth strategy. Uh, I've read them both. I've read tax-free wealth several times, a new edition is coming out. In addition to that, there is a, um, you know, we, we talk all the time about the importance of getting very good, uh, you know, investing in good tax help. And you have the company, uh, a company that helps people get connected to those individuals. And it's called WealthAbility. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, we actually, uh, we, we have a network of 60 CPA firms around the country. Um, we train them. Uh, we are actually converting them to franchises right now. So we will have actually even more say over how well-trained they are and and the quality um, that, that they're able to deliver. We'll be able to actually have a little more input there as franchises. And, uh, you know, if you, if, and what we're happy to do for your um, listeners, Buck, is if you go to wealthability.com and schedule a call, then we'll actually just give you a second opinion on uh, your tax situation we'll tell you is uh, are you paying the right amount too much not not enough <laughs> we'll even yeah. tell you that if we think if we think you've maybe under underpaid i mean that happens once in a while frankly um but most of the time people are paying more tax than they need to pay and, and we're just happy to give you that second opinion right that's fantastic and if you do decide uh you know and, and work with tom's group make sure you let them know that you're uh, with wealth formula that is also helpful just because, you know, we want to make sure that uh, our folks get matched up with the appropriate groups. I mean, 
Uh, I would say that our listeners here on Well Formula tend to be a little bit more sophisticated just because we're talking about this stuff all the time. And that's certainly helpful to match up with the right personality and the right situation. For sure. So, that's very helpful. Let, let, let us know. And, and just so everybody knows, I mean, uh, Buck and I talk about this on a fairly regular basis and Buck's always making sure, okay, let's make sure we get these people to the right place. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's most important is that they're in the wealth ability system. And then we need to make sure with, with they're with the right advisor within the wealth ability system. Thanks so much, Tom. We'll be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, uh, again, now I would again remind you that it is a good time to take care of the, uh, you know, take care of the the mundane things of personal finance, asset protection, estate planning. Make sure you get your insurance stuff going. Make sure you got your tax planning in place. And if you don't have somebody good, it might be worthwhile to reach out to Tom's team at wealthability.com. Anyway, that is it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. I do want to make sure that you know that I have another podcast that's humming along. It's called Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Totally different topic. As you, you probably know, I'm a physician. And uh, this is kind of tickling my uh, interest in, in longevity medicine. So check out Sapio with Buck Joffrey when you get a chance. That's it for me. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com.